And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 233, aka season 3, episode 53, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC. And since this is your live call-in show, those numbers are 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. Uh, so anything going on with you this week, MC? Um, <clears throat> I I don't remember if I talked about this last week, but there was uh, some news about the short-term lending market, the overnight market having some some liquidity issues and so the fed stepped in and they're printing billions of dollars not printing but you know electronically sending them money uh to lend the, the banks uh, money because there's not enough uh, out there so we did not talk about this by the way so this is right this is yeah, news to our listeners i think this is too new uh, this is brand new stuff i think this just happened this week so okay or maybe started Sunday or something. But uh, anyway, yeah, so, that, you know, billions, I don't know. I, I think they're up to like $200 billion or something like that. They've, they've Of of it. new money, basically, of, yeah, of well, inflated you know, currency. They're, they're, they're lending it and they're making it out of nothing and, and lending it to, uh, to banks. So uh, it's pretty crazy. Are you one of those conspiracy theorists that say, like, when you take out a loan from the bank, it's actually you creating the new money by putting your signature on the dotted line on whatever? So is that? It's it's not exactly that. It's just that the banks don't keep track of how much money they have lent out versus how much they have. So... And they're not required to either. Except well, and they're maybe, allowed to lend out a lot more than they actually have, which is... Well, right. Um, but So they're supposed to have, what, a 10% reserve or something like that, right? Something like that, yes. Okay. But then they change the rules, so it's not 10% anymore. And they can they can have other things. So like they can have uh, uh, the, the note on the house. They can use that as collateral. So they can... As soon as you get a mortgage... They they hold that that mortgage document as an asset that they can use to lend out more money. So in in a way, they are creating money out of thin air when you sign the dotted line. Okay. Um, so it's really uh, confusing and all that, but uh, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious to see that when you if you do that, it, eventually there's a bubble and it's not sustainable anymore. Like eventually, like the either the money will lose value and, and, and everybody will need more money so they, they'll just have to you know keep creating new loans uh, but eventually uh, that system breaks down and so then you have a crash but but my my real point is that is that when you uh, when when you sign the, the document they're, they're not even keeping track of if if they have uh, enough reserves to, to loan you the money they just make the note it's there yeah um and at the end of the year they hopefully they have enough in reserve uh lest they be shut down by the big bad fed correct correct yeah so so and so in that way yeah they it it doesn't really it doesn't really matter like they they have enough time um to in enough wiggle room to uh uh 
you know, make something up at the end of the year, say, oh, well, this is how much assets we have. And so therefore uh, we'll stay in business and, and hopefully everybody will pay back their loans with interest and then they'll be able to make even more loans. Sure. So this is, this is a concept that is difficult to process through, even though I've heard it over and over and over again. It's one of those things where like your faith in the market phenomenon is, or my faith in the market phenomenon is challenged a little bit, right? Because on the economic side of things, we always hear uh, pumping money into the system causes inflations, inflation. One of the symptoms of inflation is the rise in prices that we, uh, you know, consumers experience when we go to buy goods. Uh, but when they when they do this type of inflation, there's no like direct correlation. Like how do the business owners know that there's more money in the system? How do they know to raise prices? Where do they get that signal from? You know, type of a thing. And it's so, it happens at such a small scale that just balloons outward that it's, it's hard to follow the money uh, in that respect. And like you said, well, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> well, it, it does. And so, for example, one way you can look at it is what do they give the loans for? What, what do they give easy money to? And everything that they give easy money to, uh, the prices go up. So ed- cost of education, easy money. Anybody can get a loan and go to college, whether you know, it doesn't matter how stupid they are or whatever. You know, they're going to... They're sure, but as much money as they want, and and so that's why the price of college goes up. Right, but let's 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 stop right there then, because the price of college has gone up, but incrementally over decades. Right, it's not <laughs> like it went from you know five thousand dollars in you know in in the nineties or whatever to like a hundred thousand uh, dollars you know in nineteen ninety five. Right, it, like it, the prices have slowly crept up over the years. And again, I understand the economics. I understand that that you know that that price increase is caused, like you said, from uh, dumping easy money into that system. But it's it's you can't really point to like one specific thing. You just know that they're giving out student loans, and then because they're giving out student loans, colleges raise their prices. But colleges don't come out and say, "Well, we're raising our our tuitions." Uh, because everyone's got loans, right? They don't say that. They they blame it on you know all other you know, necessities and increases and investments into the school and, and whatever. Um, so you don't really, you don't see it. Well, I guess my point is you don't see it as it's happening, right? You don't, you don't go like, wow, college has really gotten expensive because of all the loans they're giving out. It, you know, it took decades uh, for people to go like, <laughs> man, this college thing is a little bit out of control. Don't you think? I wonder if it's because of all those loans they've given the students and they go, well, fucking of course it is. Um, cause you've yeah. been doing it for so long, but it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy to see or predict, uh, I guess for me in the moment, right? Like, you, you know, sure. okay. <laughs> every, every, you know, people are, people are predicting another housing bubble, right? Like, cause loans are, it's easy to get loans again. It's like, well, yeah. And I guess, you know, uh, my goal has always been, it, it, you know, now that I've, I've moved to somewhere where I don't mind settling into a house of my own, um, is, I, I want to be prepared for when the bubble bursts, right? Right. I want to be ready to like to get into that market after this after this bubble pops. I don't want to get in now and like ride out the end of the bubble. Um, mostly because I'm not an investor. I'm not buying a home to invest in. I'm buying a home to be a home to live in. You know, and and you know, to to keep lo- long term like a long term asset as opposed to a, a, an investment 
opportunity. Um, but there's there's no way to predict like where we're at in the bubble. Everyone's just going like, well, it's clearly another bubble because the prices are like they were before. Uh, and it's, it's obviously has to pop, but you know, predicting that is challenging. You don't know when, and you don't know why, you know, may, maybe by the time this bubble pops, they're no longer, you know, they, they, it'll be too early for them to like give out cheap notes and easy money to get back into it. Um, you know, and, and, and it will be, you know, shut out again for whatever reason. Um, but it's hard. It's just hard to predict. You know, you, you can look at uh, mortgages and college and go like, well, yeah, of course, of course, this is going to be a bubble. Uh, but at what point of the bubble are we? Are they just starting to blow up the bubble? Are we like about to pop already? Uh, who knows? And since they've done it before, I think it's easy. I think it's easy to assume that they won't learn the lesson this time either. So blow up again. That's why at the very beginning I, I mentioned the the overnight lending. So if if banks are are not trusting each other to loan each other money. Maybe it's because they know what uh, kind of dire position that they are in themselves. Um, so, um, you know, can, can any of the banks be really be trusted? Um, you know, for billions of dollars, um, you know, if if a bank borrows uh, twenty billion dollars and uh, you know, saying, "Okay, I'll, I'll pay you back th- this tomorrow or in a couple of days." Uh, but they borrow the twenty billion and then and then just claim bankruptcy. Then you're then you're out of twenty billion dollars, right? Well, so you would you would be out of twenty billion dollars. But again, the whole point of the Fed is to prevent you know banks from oh, no, collapsing. But, it's like the lender of last resort. Right, right. So, but what I'm saying is, up until like for this year, the Fed has not stepped in to do overnight lending. It's normally a function of that the banks do between each other in case they need uh, a little bit extra money just for a very short time right and and so uh by the the fact that the fed is stepping in now uh is because interest rate the overnight lending rate went up to 10 percent you know 10 percent per year but but still it's it was a a a lot higher than normal and and the fed doesn't want want that interest rate to be high so uh the fed is stepping in so but the reason why the interest rate would go up is the same as anybody loaning any money is like, well, there's more risk, so uh, the, the overnight rate has to go up. Well, sure. The Fed, the Fed doesn't want anybody to perceive any risk, so that's why the Fed's stepping in. But what you see is there's actually risk there, and it's and actually it's really high right now. So why is it high? Well, we haven't had a crash in a while. It's it's overextended, and uh, they're they're talking about you know doing quantitative easing again. Uh, besides Does that worked so well the last time i mean so i had a uh discussion with uh ken about this ken schooling and i kept telling him well you should just t- instead of trying to convince your students just tell them like this is the way it is this is a fact i'm the teacher and and uh quit trying <laughs> to uh quit trying to convince them because if if you ask them what the right answer is they'll you know they'll go off in their heads and they'll come up with, you know, a whole bunch of different wrong reasons. And the chance sure. of them coming up with the right reason uh, is slim to none, right? So don't ask them. Tell them. Tell them what it is. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, the Marxist teachers will do the same thing, you know? <laughs> I, so sure. I don't, I don't, and so he's, he was trying to justify saying, well, you can't, you can't do that because um, for, the, for the one reason, which is 
who is it good for? So, um, who is telling them good for? Like, is it in the benefit of the student? Is that no, no? I, I mean, uh, so so the question is, um, and and any question where you're where you're dealing with like like uh, is is uh, is having a large government uh, good? You know, so that you can have uh, distribution systems and you know pro, uh, welfare programs, all this. And the answer is no. Uh, but the the reason why he he wouldn't say that is because there's winners and losers. And so one student might look at it and be like, well, it's good for some people. It's good for the, you know, the government bureaucrats at least. So, so it's good. You know, maybe, maybe a student wants to be a government bureaucrat. So, so then it would, the right answer would be, yeah, of course, bigger government programs are good. You know? Okay. So he's trying to stay neutral with the responses. Is it, I'm... No, that's, that's true. And he's, and he's trying to give people enough information where they can come up with the right conclusions. Okay. Right? But they're not good at it, right? There's, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sure. I, I hear what you're saying, but like you said, if there's winners and losers, right, then even in this situation, right, who is, you, you can still ask the same question, who is it good for? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what, what, so what were we talking about again? Uh, the the overnight, again? Le- overnight lending yeah, rates. The overnight, yeah, overnight lending rates. So who, so who is it good for? Well, it's, it's good for, um, you know, the bankers, and it's and it's good for uh, to keep this uh, system from crashing right now. Maybe it's good for Trump, uh, but is is it good for the economy overall? Well, I mean, let's make the bubble bigger and then see, you know, make it, make it crash harder next time it crashes, you know, or so, uh, or maybe it'll cause you know what you know the same thing lending does, which is to create more money and and cause inflation. Uh, it it re- reduces the uh the visibility of risk basically so banks are will- now willing to take on bigger and bigger risks um so you know what incentive is there to not take out you know a, a trillion dollars in overnight loans for any of the banks i mean you know they they drop it to you know super low rates um it just gives them more power to gamble with and and gamble they do i mean it's that's <laughs> one of the reasons why we have the problems we have so I guess if, if I was in Ken's class or, you know, teaching Ken's class, I think the, I'm, I'm always a big fan of like, you know, what, what can be done by the individual for the individual, um, as an anarchist and, you know, also like put your money where your mouth is kind of a thing, right? If, if, if you are right, professor, what's, what's the next move for me as an individual, right? So what, what steps can I take as an individual to benefit from these decisions because obviously the individual you know the average uh, the average citizen the average individual isn't going to be able to control what these people do the the what the average individual can do is position themselves in a way to benefit from the decisions that are about to be made so if you're if you're an individual or, or be the decision maker and that's one of the problems with with a young mind is they 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 imagine themselves as as uh being able to control these things so that so, so uh as a young person i might think well if if i was in charge then i could just you know take the billion do- billions of dollars from the ceos and then i could solve uh you know homelessness and uh and sure and, uh, and, and, and solve hunger you know world hunger um that's the way they think right but sorry um, kid but you're don't... not in charge right now right 
you are not yet in charge. And here's the situation that faces us presently, not a situation that faces us in some hypothetical future in which you are in charge, right? So let's let's tone but, that back and let's look at what you, the the college kid, you know, who's got all this college debt or whatever, uh, can do for your personal benefit right now as this thing happens. That's the, that's again. This is the way that I would phrase the problem, um, if I were in charge of the class. So. Well, I know, but so the the other problem we talked about is is the problem of uh, the the belief systems, and and that's really what needs to be challenged, right? Sure. And I think it needs to be challenged more directly, and and by first of all saying this is the right answer, instead of saying uh, here's the question, you know, what do you think the right answer is? Because when you sure. do that, they're they're going to start thinking of, you know. A hundred things that are that are wrong before they come across the one right one, right? Sure, because there's and it, there's there's so many more wrong answers than there are, than there are right ones. Well, like and, what, is, and, what should like the big one was uh, what should the minimum wage be? Well, there's infinite number of wages that that could be besides zero, you know? right? <laughs> and I guess the second part of what I said was this is the part where you put your money where your mouth is. So you 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 pose that question to the students. And then you posit what you would do they, in their scenario. And they say ten or fifteen or twenty, and that's it. You've sure, lost them at that point. Well, for the minimum wage, for like for, again, the the way I phrased it was, what can you do as in your position with what they're doing? So uh, overnight well, lending can, rates are going vote, up. They can vote for it. They can they can uh, you know become uh, congressmen and you know government people. They can. Uh, they can lobby people. They can uh, get their friends together to, to vote for things, and you know they can they can do all those things. And I would that's a long term challenge that I w- I would say that that you're posing. You're right. You're, so you're saying right now as a college kid, you have all you have this current issue at hand, and your thinking is to go long term about you know ten fifteen years from now when you can get voted into office. I wanted I would challenge them to like make a decision now as an individual in their position. And then from the from the professor's position, Ken's position, right? Say like now that you've thought about what you can do, here's what I would do if I were in your shoes to maximize my individual benefit based on this. And that's when you that's well, when you can give them the right answer well, see, that's along with what question. they can currently do. So the question of what should minimum wage be doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that um that they uh they're going to do anything about it. Uh, but it does make them think about what what they want. Um, so right. So eventually, in the in the longer term, like it's, it's not even about the individual uh, being long term. It's 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 if you get if everybody's thinking that that minimum wage should be fifteen, then eventually that that becomes the the politics, and eventually some politician is going to win an election based on what people think minimum wage should be. Sure. So, so you go like, what should minimum wage be? They give out all these answers. They land on 15. And then you as the economics professor go, the correct answer is zero. Right. Right. And they'll go like, what the hell are you talking about? How could that How could that possibly be? Right. And then because you're the professor, you have all this data backing you right. up of uh, all the problems that exist when wages go up and people fall out of the job market. And then again, the question becomes, now you as a college student who's going to be entering into the job market, Right. Where do you want to be? 
in, in a position where you have no skills, it's aside from an education that keeps you out of the job market and on welfare, or do you want to be in a position where you can make a little bit of money to help build those skills and help and hone your education to good use so that you can come out ahead in the long run? Because if the, by the time you graduate, if the minimum wage is 15, you're not going to have a job, right? So do you want oh, a job? Oh, this, is, this isn't necessarily about the individual getting the $15 an hour. It's just the question is, what should minimum wage be? Understood. It, has, it, might have, it might not have anything to do with the actual individual. They might be thinking about everybody else. Which is fine. But then, again, because, you, because you're the professor with, all the, with the data to back you up and all the, you know, all the um, studies that have been done on minimum wage and all the, all the negative effects that raising the minimum wage has, after they answer the question wrong and you give them the right answer and provide it with data, mm-hmm. then you have to make it relatable to their situation, right? So that, it lo- so that the information gets locked in. It's 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 an abstract thought process until they can relate to the actual topic so, you're discussing. So how do you how do you relate uh, the, uh, a fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage uh, to them? I just I just told you. You say like if if they land on fifteen, you tell them zero. Then you provide all the studies, the charts, the data that says like people are locked out of the job market when the minimum wage is set higher than their current skill set, right? And then you challenge them to go find a job where they can make the $15 an hour at minimum wage, right? An entry-level job that's already paying $15 an hour for their skill set. Like, that's that's how I make it relatable. Like, are you worth, are you currently worth $15 an hour? And if they go like, yes, I am. Well, all right. You know, your homework for the semester is to go get a job that, that pays you $15 an hour. They're not, they're not interested. The college students aren't interested in in uh what should i say in uh i don't know how to say this like like proving it it's like oh that's fine but it is again it's it's still a thought experiment they they will find out soon enough right but that's that's not even i guess what what i'm talking about so or at least what ken was talking about so he's he's trying to stay more neutral by 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 actually showing both sides so there's winners and losers so so the one guy that was making 12 bucks an hour, he gets a raise and another guy that was making 12 bucks an hour, uh, well, he's not worth 15. And so he loses his job. So, sure. so then you ask the student, well, what, what should minimum wage be? Well, $15 an hour. Like, so it's, it doesn't. Because you, you, because in my mind, you're still talking about it as an abstract concept, talking about two hypothetical guys. Right. What what makes it relatable is whether they're willing to risk being the guy. Like, are are they really uh, put your money where your mouth is? Are you really willing to risk that you're not the twelve dollar guy? That you're actually the fifteen dollar guy that's going to have a job at the end? Or are you well, probably well, are you more likely the guy that's going to lose his job because your skill set doesn't match up? Okay, but so I'll just go on a hypothetical. All all the students in the class, they're full time students. They don't need jobs. Uh, they've got money from mom and dad so uh of course it should be 15 sure so so they're not gonna go out and uh, uh, try to get a job and and get the right answer until after they're out of college which is fine so, i'm okay so with my, that so my real point is they should get a zero for the class right for getting the answer wrong yeah okay and uh and that's that's a step too far because 
uh, I guess he would get fired if he gave people uh, zeros for for believing in the fifteen dollars an hour thing. But, well, and so so for him, he he would say it's okay to mark down fifteen dollars an hour as long as you understand uh, who the winners and who the losers are. Okay. Yeah, I see. I I see his point. I'm 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 quite frankly okay with his point mm-hmm. because. If you know, it's again, it's a critical thinking exercise, right? right. If you if you can if you if you and really so, believe you're going to be the winner, as long as you're if you, if you hold the if you hold the the if you hold the assumption that there will be winners and losers, right? Then a fifteen dollar minimum wage is okay, mm-hmm. because yes, there will be winners, there will be losers. The practical application, what makes it relatable to individuals and students when thinking about it is is what side of the coin you're going to be on. Right, the the old like you know, um, sharing a cookie with your brother, right? You get to break the cookie in half. Your brother gets to pick which half he gets, right? And in, and in doing so, it it should so, lead to the most fair distribution because people are afraid of the downside. So anyway, that that was just uh, an example, probably one of the best examples of of how his class goes and why so many, so few people end up. Uh, understanding, or uh, or at least latching on to his ideas, and 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 okay, and uh, championing championing them. So if well, because they have to experience it later. That's that. I guess that's my point. You can tell them zero; they won't believe you. So until the they experience fifteen, and they can't get a job. So the whole education thing is a waste of time. Then no, if, not a waste of time. If, well, it's maybe one out of twenty people get it right away. So. Uh, I've 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 bought the book, um, the the uh, teenage liberation handbook. I've bought three copies of that book in my lifetime. Uh, I gave one to my sister uh, when she, when she became a teenager. I gave one to my niece when she gave became a teenager, uh, and I gave one to my son earlier this year when he became a teenager. Right? I do not expect them to read that book. I never expected them to comprehend the information contained within that book. What I did was provide them with an opportunity to get a different perspective should they choose to. Now, my again, my goals are different than Ken's, but I did it because at some point they're going to learn the lessons the hard way and when they're frustrated with what's going on, I will then say, well, did you read the book, right? I gave you the answer, you know, 10 years ago. I gave you the answer 15 years ago. I gave you the answer five years ago. You chose not to read it. So in Ken's class, right, this, this is where it gets relatable. We had the discussion on what minimum wage should be. I gave you the answer. It should be zero. But until you actually get out there and experience what it's like, you know, to, to look for a job and have, you know, prices go up based on, uh, based on you know, the inflationary currency and wages are stagnant and you can't get a job because you're not worth what the current minimum wage is, whatever that happens to be at the time, Right. Then you go, oh yeah, Ken gave me the answer five years ago. Ken gave me the answer four years ago. Ken gave me the answer. I was too arrogant to accept it. So the other aspect of it is you could answer the question. You could ask the question two different ways. You could ask, what should the minimum wage be for someone who believes in you know liberty, prosperity, and you know X Y Z. Uh, and then the next question you can say, what should minimum wage be for if you want to have complete control over society? Um, so you could you could post 
and and that way and then uh that's or, true or maybe or maybe even so the reason why i'm i'm telling you this 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 whole thought experiment is is well i want the class to be more successful right i want them i want people to be able to go to the class and go okay uh i may or may not agree with the answers but i at least know which ones the professor says are right and wrong sure and right now it's not i don't think it's being taught in that way Okay. It's too, it's too open to uh, interpretation, and they're not focused uh, enough on on uh, on reality. They're 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 in their minds doing these thought experiments, and uh, they're not good at it. <laughs> That's what, yeah, like, I, yeah. It does take. Experience. I agree with you. It takes life experience, and and not very many of them get it. So, well, they don't. They don't get it yet, right? Like right. I don't. I don't. Re- I did not retain a lot of information from college. I don't remember a lot of the stuff that I learned. Most of it was unimportant then, aside for the grade, and most of it remains unimportant in my day to day life. Right. Right. And the I, few and, things and that stick out that I retain are because they've come up in my life in some form or fashion. I went, oh yeah, fucking learned about that in class, and oh yeah, this is you know this is what was said then, and this is this is how I'm experiencing it now. But it didn't happen right away. It takes time, and so right. I would say that. And so, so I think the 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 problem is is, and that's what I started talking to to Ken about was the the what we're really doing is challenging belief systems, right? Sure. And uh, most of them don't want to do that in in college, I guess. I guess not Maybe. anymore. Not anymore. I mean, yeah, it used not to be anymore. a thing. Yeah. yeah, and so and that's that's really so. The the question is how how to improve this the system of education, and, uh, f- and and one where, okay, well we know we know whether what the right answer is at least we think we do right obviously you know could be wrong but um, sure you know we Probably believe not. we believe we 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 have we do I mean we have a belief system, um, everybody does, uh, but we're capable of change and I think we've proved that because we've. We've had a belief system before. Right. And, you know, things have changed. Um, so I, I think maybe maybe that's it. Maybe there's just people that that don't understand that they have a belief system. Like they don't even know where it comes from. Sure. Like they believe things, but they don't know they have like they've created this whole system that they're always right. You know. <laughs> yeah. Programs, buddy. For lack of a better term. So okay. So I guess I don't think you're going to do anything in Ken's class mid-semester right but at the big if, if he really wants to change things up i would say you have to you have to structure the class in such a way and set the expectation that this is how it's going to operate early right like right. The, the the day one lecture should contain the idea that this class is not only going to teach you economics but challenge the thought process that you and current society already has Right. And your grade is not based on whether or not you get the right answer or whether or not you agree with the professor, but you will get the right answer. Uh, and you will not understand this until later, right? Like there, there's going to be the right answer on the test mm-hmm. and you can put down whatever you want and justify it however you want. But the real right answer will bear itself out through experience later in life. Right. It's unfortunate that you guys are here at, you know, 18, 19, 20, whatever, however old uh, the students are in the class, because you're not ready. You're not ready for this information yet. So the best you can do is pay attention, 
you know, think about how you think about things so that when you're ready for the information, you'll still have it, uh, at, at, you know, in your mind in some level. And then you can look back upon this class and say, that's where that made sense, right? As yeah. as you experience life, that's where that class made sense. It's not going to make so, sense now so because you're not ready for it. Maybe we should come up with a course ourselves about actually challenging belief systems and see where that takes us, you know? Sure. Go for it. Make it an elective. Like if, 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 if you're serious I mean, about that. There, I mean, there are classes like that, like critical thinking classes, you know, thinking yeah. about how we think. Sure. Um, I've never taken one. I've never considered it, but um, I've heard of them. So. <laughs> yeah. So it would be I, interesting to see if there's more libertarians coming out of, out of that type of thinking, uh, or or if their their aim is is different. Like, the the weird. They, what are they thinking about? <laughs> the weird part about libertarianism. I posted this as a Facebook quote of myself like years ago. And I said, I, I wish everyone would learn to think for themselves so that they would think more like me, <laughs> right? Like that's, it's a weird, it's a weird thought that went through my head, but it's true, right? Uh, for, from our perspective, anyone that, you know, is, is left or right or, you know, Nazi or fascist or whatever, um, it has the wrong thinking because they're, they're hive minded, they're group think, whatever. When they start thinking more like an individual, they will come to the same conclusions that we do. Uh, and that may not be true. It probably isn't true. Um, but the, the, the critical thinking, the, 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 you know, the, the thinking about how to think uh, still should happen, right? It's, it still should be a, a thought process that people go through. Um, from the anarchist perspective, right? There are, there are those out there, um, the individualist anarchist, right? That think that, we, the, the anarcho-capitalists, um, have not, have not done enough research to come to the same conclusion that they have, right? We're, we're still on the path to a real anarchy, <laughs> right? And you, you chuckle, uh, but we, we, the, the ANCAPs hold a similar feeling toward the commies, right? The ANCOMs, the ANSOCs, the, the left libertarians or whatever, right? They go like, well, you clearly don't have all the information because if you understood what we understand, you would draw the same conclusion. And the truth is a lot of them have, they haven't drawn the same conclusion. They see, they see something else beyond it. Uh, that's, right. You're not going to be able to reconcile it because their life experience dictates their thought process in such a way that, that you know, the, the, and the end comes, they, they feel used, they feel downtrodden. Um, they feel like, you know, slaves to the system. Um, and, and we would say, well, that's because you have not mastered the system yet. Right. When you understand voluntary agreements and, and inter interrelational aspects of business, right, then you will see that if you have something of value to offer society, you will be compensated accordingly. Right. And then, and then we go, well, you clearly haven't uh, been of value to society, which is why you feel like a wage slave and you, you, you know, do nothing but uh, dig in dumpsters and, and, you know, shop at Goodwill. Right. I mean, it, it, and, and, and make commentary on, on the Internet. Right, because um, you're you're just not there yet. So if you want it's, to, it's funny you brought it up, right? Because I listen I listen to other podcasts, and I was talking to my coworkers about like a book that was mentioned in that, and you know, because they were talking, oh, what book are you reading? Blah blah blah. I'm like, did you know that there's a book called How to Read a Book? Like it's a right. weird thing, right? It's a yeah. book that you have to read, and it's how to read a book, right? So in in a similar fashion to Ken's uh, critical thinking issue. 
right? The elective could be, you know, challenge the uh, Ken's Ken's elective course, uh, co co-authored and co-taught uh, by MC, right? Is you know uh, critical thinking uh, in microeconomics, right? The, the, or, or something to that effect, where. Now that now and it's and it'll be wide open, challenging the paradigms of macro something like that, right? Where you go like, okay, here's here's the group think that exists in society, and here's all the data that contradicts that group think. Now, how can you, as an individual, sift through the vast amounts of data and knowledge and information that's out there, and parse it down to the essence to come up with the quote unquote right answer, right? In minimum wage zero. Like how do you how do you get from how do you get through all this rubbish and muck going around in politics and still say nope it's not a popular decision uh, it's not a favorable one I'm never going to get elected on this but goddamn it Ken you're right the minimum wage should be zero and now I understand why and again if you're so, serious about it M M has uh, experience uh, writing curriculum for other classes and I don't know if you want to like you know get with her on not not the topic at hand because i don't think she's experienced in economics but just how to put together uh how to put together like an elective course um that that kind of satisfies those goals like a more uh, how, how to structure the course as opposed to like what the content should be yeah so anyway i, I still believe that taking a more authoritarian position as as an instructor would be uh, acceptable yeah um because it just won't be retained that's the only problem it's a sh- it's mm, a short term i think it would if if they care about it and so that's why the the minimum wage one is such a big deal because uh because kids think they know what the right minimum wage should be right yeah but you tell uh, them it's zero you you put if you don't put zero on the test you get it wrong so it will be much more memorable if you're not only asked, you know, for your opinion, but but also told you're wrong, like straight up, this is wrong. You get an F until you do the test again and you put the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, that's that's a bridge too far for Ken. But um, I, I I'm kind of on Ken's side on that one because sure that that could be fine for a. Uh, you know, the individual class, right? Like, this is the right answer. There's only one right answer. You put the right answer on the test. But then, uh, once again, you're, you're only training people to think about the right answer and not the reason why and not the understanding of why or not the ex- having had the experience well, of why so, that's right. Well, I'm, I'm not saying that they would ever agree with it, but they would yeah. try a lot harder and they would remember all the arguments a lot more coming from the other side and i if think they have to justify it sure okay yes and so the reason why i suggest doing this is because his class right now he maybe gets one out of 20 people to understand it okay and uh i want to get that number up to 10 and so okay. i think in 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 challenging somebody's belief system i think it's it's a struggle i mean you have to it's like shock it's like it's it's getting you to uh you know, rethink reality. Like you think you know things, uh, but a lot of the things are wrong. So, so it's like, it's like uh, trying to make you trust uh, that everybody else has been lying to you in a way. You know, like sure. 
So the final exam would be like, what should the minimum wage be and why? And then anyone who doesn't put zero and all the reasons that Ken gave as to why gets an F for that question. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess that's acceptable for an exam type of situation. And and that's so. I don't think that stokes critical thinking, though. Well, but I mean, it would. The class would. It would because it would seriously turn people off, and that's one of the things that's one of the reasons why he doesn't do it okay um it causes too much trauma in people's heads right so and i say go for it just cause them trauma okay like they need it they need it i w- and that's the way i would do it if i mean of course i would get fired uh you know unless you get tenure first baby right so um yeah and, and there's there's still other things they can do they they silence that one guy well I don't know. Australia has different laws, I guess, but sure. Um, he was trying to say that you know, the Great Barrier Reef is not, uh, it's not dying. It's, it's actually doing fine. Like <laughs> quit telling people the, the world, quit telling the world the Great Barrier Reef is dying because of pollution, because then people won't come to see it. Right? <laughs> like it's part of tourism. Like you're, all you're doing is hurting the tourism industry by telling people lies. Um, well, okay, so fill me in then cuz I don't I don't I didn't read enough about it. I saw the article that said it was dying um because it's a living organism. I didn't read anything about right. pollution being the cause or that, you know, saying that is as as a detriment to tourism. So So if you're saying the... it's a detriment to tourism, then you should, you know, the lie would be it's still alive to so people come and visit this like dead reef. I'm confused. But no, it's still alive. Um, there, the lie has been by the environmentalists saying, don't pollute because you're killing the, the Great Barrier Reef. And it's not true. So one of the best scientists um, in the world happened to be in Australia. He's, he was a, a physicist for uh, 30 years, something like that. But he, he had all the equipment. He was, he was the one that you know uh, got the funding for the studies of the reef. Okay. So he knows it very, very well, right? He knows he's it. the expert. Yeah, he's by far the expert. And so, you know, he, he publishes things that say, you know, how it's doing and where it's doing just fine. And and then the university says, no, you can't say that because it goes against uh, the the political commentary about, well, pollution is killing everything. <laughs> sure. It's like, okay, yes, like 10 feet from the 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 stream where where some pollutants are coming out okay yes it's it's dead right there uh there it was dead right where they actually cut out uh cut the the barrier reef so they could move ships and out in and out of like it's dead there right <laughs> because but you know beyond that it's it's uh it's doing just fine it's not like okay uh, some major problem so i guess the, i i i heard it framed differently then when you first said it because it sounded like they wanted to say that it was still alive so that tourists no, no. come in and you don't need that part no, of the justification. He, if it's alive, it's alive. You just say so. And no, the, the media. Pound on the facts. And the environmentalists are all saying that pollution is, is killing things. Right. And his experience is, no, the Great Barrier Reef is doing just fine. Like, come visit. Right. Uh, and, and, don't, and don't spout lies that is dying because then we'll lose tourism. Got it. Um. Yeah, and and for for no reason except for, you know, the, the same thing as uh, yeah, the you know global warming and everything else. Like, you're, you're going to cause real damage, 
by saying lies. Um, Got it. I would, and again, I, I, I got confused because you said like, you know, don't, don't spout lies because it hurts tourism. Uh, it's like, well, don't spout lies because it's a lie, right? <laughs> don't spout lies because you're obviously wrong. You know, it sh- should be, would be enough for me. Uh, I'm sorry, you're wrong. The Great so, Barrier Reef is alive, and you know. Yeah, the the problem with the environmentalists is is they think, well, I'm doing good for the planet, so lying is okay. Yes. And uh, and that's one of the reasons why we're we have the type of political atmosphere right now that we have, and the, uh, we got this you know 12 year old traveling the world saying oh, Greta Thunberg. Something. She's the most annoying. Out of all of them, I can't believe it. It's like, seriously? Like, I, I saw a meme. It was pretty funny. It was like, we have this this really uh, dire consequence. Like, the, the planet is going to die. It's a really serious issue. So what do we do? We, we have a 12-year-old to talk to us. Like, that's how serious it is. We, we, ha- we leave it up to a 12-year-old to tell us. Well, that's the thing. It's a gimmick, right? It's, it is a gimmick. It's, it's, to, gain, it is, it's to get attention on the issue. It's but it's obvious and that, this is the future kind of, of whom we're leaving this to it is but it's the same thing is why the left keeps losing right is is that it's an appeal to emotion it's it's an obvious appeal to emotion and it doesn't work anymore so well no it, i don't it, know it about really that doesn't. okay the the people that that it works for are already uh convinced on the on the crisis side, yeah, they're all okay. they're already there. Maybe maybe this will inspire them to vote harder, and maybe uh, you know not use plastic bags. Um, but it's not going to uh, it's not going to convince anybody, right? Sure. Well, it may not it may not convince anybody. However, the 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 people that she's talking to, the people that you know are taking notice of her, are people that have to appeal for re-election, right? And it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to be the conservative who goes like, no, I'm the I'm uh, reelect me. I'm the guy that disagreed with this twelve year old on climate change, right? And everyone's going, well, how can you treat a twelve? You know, the, it's it's a hard spot to be in uh, to petition for reelection if that's your goal, right? Like winners and losers, who benefits? Uh, the politician benefits if he agrees with her because that's what that's what's expected of him in this, you know. Uh, current society as we're living it where we're it's everything's emotion driven right if he disagrees with her there's no it's it's going to be prohibitively difficult for him to go back and to appeal to voters as the the guy who didn't give two shits of what 12 year old Greta Thunberg had to say elect me because I'm the guy that doesn't care about climate change elect me because I'm the guy that doesn't care about the environment like me, because I'm the guy who says like everything is fine, and this twelve year old doesn't know shit about what she's talking about, <laughs> right? It's easy for us to say because you know we, well, I mean, we I, have the I benefit of truth. I wouldn't do I wouldn't do any of that. I wouldn't even acknowledge it. But as a politician, um, she comes to yeah. your Senate hearing, and you you know you got to sit there and listen to her give her testimony. Yeah, I'd be like you have. <laughs> an agenda and that's that's your deal so whatever you're you're um, going to be the one voter that abstained from voting on whatever issue she's come to talk about or the one yeah the one politician who abstained from voting oh this Greta Thunberg I I I refuse to cast a vote for this nonsense and we have an abstain from the gentleman from 
It is nonsense. <laughs> it is nonsense. It's absolutely nonsense. Right? Even the one the one article that I saw about her was like her little boat ride over here. Yeah. Right? And how it was more detrimental because of all the people that she needed to bring here on the boat to travel by right. boat. Had to fucking right. fly home. Right? right. <laughs> so they had all these seats on planes that were unnecessary if she would have just like taken up two seats, one here and one back. Right, right. <laughs> Or just stayed where she's at. Yeah, we have Skype now. She could she could do this from anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not a big I'm not a big fan. Anyone. Here's the thing when it, when it comes to like, no one's no one really. It's not really worth my time on Facebook or any social media platform to like comment and educate people. Um. So now I just hit the laugh button. Like you like that's yeah. that's my trolling. It's 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 become normal for trolls to do that though um yeah because i'm one of them like i just but i don't i don't post anything i don't post anything salacious sure. right on my own feed i don't i don't uh i don't attempt to attract uh debate or discussion i just go like oh you're an idiot i'm laughing at you just know that uh, when you're surrounded by morons you at least so, have one educated dude laughing at you so on the on the climate issue what i do now is is a I try to tell people what the only the only solution that I know is, and it's actually uh, well, it's not invented, it's not completed yet. They're still working on it. Is the thorium solution? Yep. Um, so you could have cheaper than coal, and it's important that it's cheaper than coal because then you don't have to burn coal anymore. Um, and so what you know what what Greta is really saying is, oh, we have to do something. We have to you know we have to have action. People have to do something about this like okay very inspirational but what she really wants is for government big daddy to uh regulate everything and and uh stop the amount of carbon that's being emitted into the air um and that's going to have huge consequences uh for people's lives um making things way more expensive and making it uh making making people's lives worse basically um so the only the only solution is is to be able to make more power with less pollution, and and cheaper, and then it becomes a de facto way of making power. So yeah, and aside from the thorium, right? That there the technology is so far behind on nuclear energy, uh, that would have been perfectly fine on a small scale uh, to to take away from all this other carbon stuff that they're talking about anyway. They just it's it's a fear factor that keeps people on that path. And again, it's like, what can you do on an individual level? Like, big daddy government isn't going to do anything but, you know, cause more harm uh, because even, even if they pick right, right, like the big thing is solar, right? Even if they're right about solar, uh, all, all the lost money going to the government, uh, you know, it, fr- from the government in subsidies or whatever to, to prop it up, right, is, is a wasted investment by definition because it's coming from the state. Even if they're right, like they 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 they're they're mismanaging the economics of it uh, by by picking winners and losers already. And thorium is a good thing, right? Like you know, if if they if they can get it working, but what's the, what's the time frame that we're looking at on that? Right? Is it is it five years? Is it ten years? Is it twenty years? Is it forty years before everything runs on thorium? I don't know. Let's uh, hard to I'll, say. I'll, I'll put a time limit on it for at least. For them to get a get one power station working, 
Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna say three years. So come back to me in 2022. And with a, for a working thorium reactor. Yeah. Okay. And even again, even still, even if they get that one running, right? Where's where's the where's the political incentive to continue it on? It's going to be a business move by you know by by capitalists in competition, um, but it's going to be it's going to be hard to break through like the the political ceiling that has already picked wind and solar as the way right. forward. Well, that that's kind of why whenever when anybody says uh, you know we have to take climate change seriously, well if I, I say well if you're serious, then the only answer is thorium. Sure, because obviously, I th- I think it should be obvious that wind and solar are just silly, silly ideas. So you might want to you might want to change that response then, right? If they say like, "Well, I'm I'm concerned about climate change," uh, you should ask them, "Oh, tell me more about the thorium project," right? Obviously, if you're that serious, you've looked into this and you've considered it, and you've right. obviously picked it as as the way forward. Oh, what you haven't? I cannot take you seriously as a climate alarmist then. Because right. you've obviously done minimal research and are more of an alarmist than an actual uh, proponent yeah. of moving forward. And that's that's kind of the whole point is it, it, that why the biggest reason why I'm against the the whole planet is dying thing is, is well, it's obviously not. Um, you know, we're, we're still going to be you know, arguing on this channel. You know, four years from now, sure, eight years from now, hopefully longer than that. Um, but it's a uh, Oh but it'll gosh. be global cooling by then. <laughs> we'll we'll have we'll have uh, pendulumed back the other way. So yeah, uh, let's move on. <laughs> All right. Well, we're we're got a few minutes left. Um, you want to run through some headlines? Sure. All right. Headline: Constitutionalism as a threat. Uh, headline: Government employees think people hate them. Increasingly, they're right. Uh, <laughs> Headline, the hidden holdup to American innovation. Uh, headline, this Hawaiian hotelier hates Airbnb so much, he's willing to destroy the internet to kill it. Uh, headline, this study proves Congress literally doesn't care what you think. Uh, headline, in markets your vote counts, in politics not so much. And finally, headline, banning flavored e-cigarettes has nothing to do with the hazards of black market cannabis products. Uh, any place in particular you want to start this week, MC, or probably the only one we're going to get to. So, which was, which one of those is your favorite? Um, anything, it's fine. Whatever's right. short. <laughs> okay, let's let's do this one then because I think it's short enough. Constitutionalism as a threat, um, and I bring it up only because I see the headlines for the Center for a Stateless Society uh, weekly, and rarely is there an article coming from them that is in alignment with what we talk about on this show uh, and in English. Cause they, they I don't know what, what it is, but they put, they post a lot of Spanish stuff um, there. Um, so I'll, I'll use, I'll, I'll pull this one out of the old show prep hat um, because we're finally going back to a center for a stateless society. Cause it looks like they finally put uh, some worthy content out there. Constitutionalism as a threat. When the average American thinks of libertarianism, they often think of right wing minarchists and self-proclaimed constitutionalists. These types don't believe in full anarchism, but in limiting the state's powers only to the bare minimum needed to enforce the United States Constitution. These types often champion rights they see as constitution as protecting freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of religion, freedom of the press, the right to petition the government, the right to bear arms, 
protection against unwarranted searches and seizures, the right to due process, protections against self-incrimination, the right to a speedy trial and legal representation, the right to a trial by jury, protection against excessive fines and cruel and unusual punishment, protections of unenumerated rights, states' rights, sovereign immunity, the abolition of chattel slavery, voting rights, the repeal of alcohol prohibition. Of course, like any statist propaganda, this view only considers half the content of the founding document. Yes, there was alcohol prohibition itself, which was thankfully defeated, but that is far from the only error in the Constitution. Many of those same types may even point out a few of their favorite gripes. Income tax, the citizenship rights are often the issue of choice for many right-wing constitutionalists. Their complaints against the income tax are usually well-founded and similar in vain to most libertarian anti-tax arguments, except that they are more focused on the working class. Complaints about citizenship rights defined in the Fourth Amendment, however, mostly seem to be based in faulty sovereign citizen logic, which, while sounding good, has sadly never held up in court. Uh, recently, I was attending court for charges I was facing for my involvement in the Occupy, Occupy Prisons Gainesville campaign. In solidarity with the prison strike last September, a number of us camped outside the local prison at work camp for about a week and a half and disrupted their daily activities. We held noise demos, dropped banners, played movies and live music for inmates to watch and listen to through their cell windows, blocked inmate work bands, and followed unpaid inmate work crews around town to bring attention to their use. Needless to say, the campaign was more successful than we could have expected and was convinced the, and we convinced the local government to end the use of unpaid prison slave labor for city and county projects, making us the first area in Florida to do so. But did not, it did, but it did not come without cost. As I stood there in court facing a civil citation for blocking a police van, a misdemeanor trespassing charge, and a misdemeanor for obstructing police and interfering with prisoners, I couldn't help but laugh to myself when the judge declared himself to be a constitutionalist. I laughed because he did it in a way that completely revealed the nature of constitutionalism and exposed it as a sort of threat. While he said he fully believed in any and supported my rights to freedom of speech, he was disappointed in the city council for voting to end the use of prison slavery, a practice he pointed out is protected by the 13th Amendment of the Constitution he so greatly adores. He then reminded me that if I do not follow the rules of my probation, then I could wind up a slave to the system myself. Let's hope that if it happens to, that I serve in Alachua County, where they can no longer exploit my labor for government projects. I'll leave you, dear reader with a quote from the late great anarchist theorist Samuel Edward Konkin on the dangers of trying to achieve libertarian goals via the state. And of course, the ultimate nightmare which I've described in a few pamphlets for those of you who don't remember is the idea of a libertarian working his way through the system who who arrest one of our counter wow, who arrest one of us counter economists one of us people who go and break laws and things because we don't believe in the government. And he takes us in front of a libertarian who works his way through the system as a judge. And he takes us in front of a libertarian. You know this, you know he sentences us. And a libertarian working his way through the system as a bailiff, taking us to the jail where a libertarian working his way through the system as a turnkey, holds us prisoner until eventually a libertarian working his way through the system as a court 
or the prison priest, brings us to the electric chair, where a libertarian working his way through the system as a state technician is making sure it's in good working order. And a libertarian working his way through the system as a burly guard slaps us down on the chair. And another libertarian working his way through the system as an executioner throws a switch and wipes out the one prisoner who was, in fact, a libertarian not working his way through the system. Uh, end of the article. And I, I think the, the most important aspect for me was that last quote. Uh, because, again, it gets heated here as to what sort of state jobs is okay for libertarians to have. Um, but your thoughts on the Constitution as a threat uh, and what libertarians can do in that system, MC. All right. I, my brain got sidetracked on that. <laughs> okay. I, uh, of course, the, the last part was very impactful um, as far as what we can do, you know, what's valid in the system and out of the system. Um, most Most of those jobs in the last paragraph aren't jobs that a libertarian would want as a valid way to uh, to make change in the system i guess you may say that but the liberty here's the excuse that i hear all the time right well if i wasn't taking that job right someone not libertarian would be right would you rather have a libertarian in this position even if it's a menial job right or would you rather have someone who's not principled like i am in that position well so it may not be the purpose for them working through the system to affect change. It's just like that's what they're doing for money. Right. And how dare you stop them. And so what, would I rather them be a libertarian or not? I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, I, I want more libertarians in the world. I want everybody to li be libertarian. Um, you know, what they resort to to get money is, uh, is a whole different uh, subject, I guess. Um, but the, the way the paragraph was, was – was worded is is these libertarians are you know working their way through the system uh, uh presumably to to eventually make make it better or to change it for the for the for good sure it's kind of like can't, uh, you can't be plea chief without being a, a beat cop right and and you, you um can't be warden without being a prison guard and i and i don't want to say people shouldn't do that people should do whatever they think is right i think so, for example, if if they if they want to be a police officer, but when when they get the position, then they say, "Well, I'm not enforcing ticket quotas, and I'm not arresting people for marijuana." Um, if they can hold a job and still hold those values, and you know, only show up when they're called, fine. You know, that's that's better than, uh, you know, the the normal uh, police officer. Sure. So, um, so yeah, I, I mean, there's there's lots of ways to look at it. Um, but yeah, I don't think anybody, and uh, I don't think any libertarian thinks he's gonna make anything better by being a uh, by by setting up the electric chair. You know? Well, true, but it's it's his job for now, right? That he, sure. again, he's working his way through the system. So right now, if you want us to change this in the future, I got I gotta pull the I gotta pull the switch now. Sacrifice you so that I can get promoted to a better position where I can make those changes from the inside. I think is the that's, idea. Yeah, that's the idea. But there, there's a lot of assumptions, though. There's sure the assumptions that people are taking those jobs so that they can work through this, you know, make it through the system and, and get a better position, uh, eventually be the judge or whatever. Um, and and I don't think that's really the case. I don't think I don't think most people work through the system. I don't think most libertari libertarians would work through the system to become a judge. 
Okay. Those are very few, rare, rare uh, and few, far and few between. Hopefully because most of them realize it's a futile attempt. Right. But the, to, to tie this up with your first point from the beginning of the show, MC, uh, I hope I want people to do what they think is right. Um, but I want them to know what it's right because I told them so long ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they, sure. we've, we've given them the right answer. Now they, just, they have to like believe it and act upon it. Final thoughts? No, I'm done. Thanks. All right. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. You guys know where to find us. Anarchistexperience.com, minds.com slash the anarchist experience. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, uh, you may do so through do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.